Welcome to Black Creative Healing, a space for radical conversation, mindful collaboration, and holistic visioning centering Black communities. I'm Natasha Thomas. And I'm Adenike Webb. We are your co-conspirators, co-facilitators, conversational doulas, and fellow travelers on this journey. Hey y'all, Natasha Thomas here. I'm excited to share with you part three of our Healing Justice in Music Therapy conversation featuring Nsamu Munga and Marisol Norris, two members of the Black Music Therapy Network, Marisol being the founder and Nsamu being a practicing music therapist um, in South Africa. Um, though this was recorded while he was um, in Zambia visiting uh, and supporting some family there. Um, this conversation continues from where we left off, um, talking about some of the difficult stuff, the things that we hold in our bodies. And if you, um, if you visited the Patreon recently, you would have seen a recent free post that took us deeper into this concept um, by looking into a healing circle, a song circle that was co-facilitated between myself, Marisol Norris, and Mia Ward, another member of the Black Music Therapy Network, um, as part of the support for the Justice for Herman Whitfield III campaign. Um, so highly encourage you to check that out um, because what that, um, that post, that blog post, that reflection on that song circle does is where we're headed in this episode right now, talking about some of the ways in which we can leverage um, the feelings and sensations and the necessary um, difficulty and dissonance of holding these complex realities that we've been discussing in previous episodes in our bodies, how we can leverage those um, to build resilience um, and to heal not just in the now, but to heal forward. So you'll hear um, Marisol start us off by talking a little bit about changing our perception of time and how healing works. Um, and then later you'll hear Nsamu chime in about the importance of healing in a communal context and how all of our gatherings together are um, 
elements of ritual. Um, and that ties me to one more thing I want to say before we get into the conversation, which is that um, the dissonance ritual that we have been putting together um, and we're planning to hold in the first week of May of this summer, 2023, we are pushing back to the end of summer. We're pushing it back to August 5th of 2023 um, because we felt like it just needed more time. Um, these concepts are deep and intense and beautiful and complicated and we want to make sure that we're cultivating the space for those to grow so inside our community spaces um, you'll see some conversations about um, preparing some mini rituals leading up to that event um, as well as just more opportunities for us to gather in community so highly recommend if you are not a member of one of our community spaces yet either the free black space that we have inside discord or the paid space inside patreon which is a racially uh, mixed space across racial space highly recommend that you check those spaces out and as always everything all things black creative healing are accessible through our website um, blackcreativehealing.com but all that said, without further ado, let's take us back into this conversation on healing justice in music therapy. I think I, I think I'm in this kind of um, I'm holding I'm holding like this other space of our Afro Afrofuturist um, realities as well, because I feel like we are in the now. But if I were to think about time as not linear, but dynamic and also compounded, like I am my past, I am my present, and I am also my future, like right now, right? So I feel like pres that healing does happen in the now and the reality of the now, but the holding of the future is what we have. Because you, when you talk about loss of jobs, loss of humanity, all those things, I also saw, thought loss of hope, right? Like that, that dissonance, like when I sat in the silence of it, I didn't want to sit in the silence of that, of, 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 of tending to the reality that you know, the capitalist mechanisms, all these different exploitative mechanisms that are enacting harm on my body in that moment. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to hold this. And I was like, am I running away from it? Am I being fugitive in this moment? And, and, you know, is that something I need to think about? Marisol, you run away from a lot of things. <laughs> like, have you found a way to, to embrace fugitivity as a, as an ethos when in reality, you know, it's something else. And then I was just like, and at the same time, it's like, I don't want it to live in my body. Like there's 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 also this this reality. It's like I I also want to be beyond it, right? I want to be so beyond it that of course I can't completely you know catapult out of this this at this time space. But thinking about that piece, like it reminds me there was I was in a I was actually two two things two scenarios kind of came together for me one day I was I probably was in an office which I feel like I'm in too much of these days and I was sitting down and I was just grappling with the tensions of feeling encaged which I actually feel more and more of these days as well and I closed my eyes I think I was probably working on a draft of an excerpt of my dissertation that I was like, I really want to publish this, but nobody will let me. <laughs> Not because I can't write it or no one will accept it, but why, why don't we just back off so I can write this, <laughs> like get this thing out? And why people won't just give me permission just to be great? <laughs> like, just leave me alone. So I was in that space, but it, was, it was, wasn't humorous as I'm trying to make it now. It was like very, just very soul shaking. And I closed my eyes and I usually listen to 
um, oh goodness, Free in the Morning by, oh gosh, why is his name um, evading me? Um, Free in the Morning, that uh, Bobby McFerrin. And so I was listening to it and I closed my eyes and all of a sudden my imagination just had me running running through fields but not on the ground like i was off the ground and i was running and there was a peace that came over as i lingered i just closed my eyes and lingered there and i ran and ran and ran and i felt so free in whatever i was doing and then you know after i came out of that space i was like i know i don't exist here like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be somewhere. I'm supposed to be amongst these trees. And, I, and in some ways I felt like it was my ancestors that were talking to me in that moment and, and reflecting something that they were free in, in, in certain spaces. Cause I'm also thinking about Maroons, like even in the midst of that in Jamaican Maroons, the archipelago people about how they were fi able to find some freedom and fight for that freedom and also be free. And then also be, know the realities that were around them. And then, Fast forward, maybe a year later, I was in the somatic abolition workshop and someone asked, you know, could we imagine or can we close our eyes and recognize that we are actually already ancestors, like we are our ancestors. And as I closed my eyes, I that that vision took flight and it had been a while since I had it before and it took flight again and I was running and all I could hear, like when I opened my eyes eyes were the birds call your name already ready and in that moment like there's so many ways in which we can contort those words already ready but to know that it wasn't even necessarily saying time time defines you as such it was the this idea that you are all complete and totally and in fullness right ready meaning not not something in preparatory, like not something that's preparatory, but something that is fully healed and fully prepared and, and fully endowed and fully everything. And, and it's like, and then to say it again, is just to say, <laughs> I said that twice, you know, and, and, and just to kind of be able to feel that in the moment, that was healing in my present. And yet my future and my past informed that healing in the present. And so it's like, how do we hold the reality that we are more than one thing and be able to hold the tensions of the exploitation and the hope, and then also kind of resist that dialectic as our sole way of being too. So it's like, where does our healing derive in those spaces? And I think it does lie in some of the cognitive dissonance that we have around, you know, our time, our time space continue, like, where do we belong? Where can we be? And then the ways in which our world has shaped our mind to think that this is all that there is. And like, I think that's like, we are constantly being um, kind of conformed to this thinking that this is it. This is all we are. You know, this con conversation on humanity, humanness, like, of course, we had to, they had to question if we were human because the cognitive dissonance that they also held as colonizers 
couldn't allow them to to actually say they're doing this to another human being right and so and then especially for money for capital right which we're still talking about right now if we're talking about zambia and how things are like and all of the things that we're dealing with right now even my talking about being in a cage is me having to pay you know like me needing pay to live and having to be within a system that i find in, extremely violent and oppressive and like how long can i stay there without my soul being stripped and lost too so i think those things kind of really you know like that dissonance really cause us to critique you know what do we allow in what do we hold what do we then ascribe to and is that actually what either our ancestors have wanted us to hold are those our legacies and lineages of healing are there other things that um, we can transform not only our mind, but our bodies to to be drawn to. Mm. I'm typing. I'm, I'm, thinking, yeah. I'm thinking as you were speaking, Marisol, uh, of <laughs> the, what has now become anthropological wisdom of yeah. Victor Turner from from Van Kane, <clears throat> the whole thing about liminality, mm. you know, and, and those threshold moments. Uh, it's interesting that actually his study was actually done by, in a tribal community in Zambia, in the western part of Zambia, right? And and observing how people sit with what is uncomfortable, how people sit in community to ask questions about where they're coming from, who they are, where they are going, why we are here, right? asking those uncomfortable questions that at one point might, might take somebody into some cognitive or intellectual realm and other times it's sitting in the body, right? Mm -hmm. The evenings of dancing around a fire, um, young men and women dancing around the fire for no reason other than just dancing around the fire, mm -hmm. right? And um, until that threshold moment arrives, where, where a, a person then can emerge from the discomfort of liminality. Now, the interesting part in, in that for me, at least, is, is that what has happened in our world at the moment is that they, even whatever best explanations or definitions of what it means to be human is, is this idea of isolationism. Pain isolates by nature. You know, pain in itself does isolate. I mean, I know I'm sitting with a lot of pain at the moment because ordinarily I'm supposed to have been in South Africa, right? And I'm in Zambia because uh, because of all the the difficulties, colonial history, right? That defines what borders are, who who is related to who, and what you need to travel to that country, and all of that kind of things. They're all present here, and. And I'm aware of, of that struggle, of that pain, right? And what has happened is that even with our, with, uh, with our healthcare and, uh, and our self-care practices, they're always emphasizing uh, this self thing, right? And what do we even know? What is this self thing, right? It's like the individual has to do this work on their own. But in, in a lot of wisdom traditions, most wisdom traditions, this self does not arise because a lot of healing happens in community where, where, where we, we hold each other, we lean into 
the wisdom of being together, the wisdom of being together. You know, um, at the moment we take a lot of knowledge, you know, lots of knowledge, 10 steps to whatever, five steps to whatever. That's very knowledge-based, cognitive stuff, you know, itemized ways of being. But this other way of being is sitting there, looking at each other's faces and with almost a recognition that I see you, you know, in, in my language, we talk about mwabonwa, we see you, uh, you know, that's saubona in, in Isizul. I see you, I see you in your struggle in the same way that I see you in your joys and, and I see you in your celebration. You know, a lot of times in the same way that, in the same way that pain isolates, joy and success isolates right so i mean take for a, a moment just to think about in your most triumphant successful moment you know and, and you feel so alone and nobody sees you yeah. in your own delight no one delights in you right so the same thing happens with pain and yet what community does is to bring us together. And this is an intentional community. This is an intentional community that holds everyone together with the understanding that we see each other. We see each other in our, in our delights. We see each other in our sorrows. Mm -hmm. right? and, and that's where ritual comes in very handy because ritual bypasses our cognitive dissonances. It bypasses our, our intellectual dispositions to something. So ritual reminds us because I like to think that as human beings, generally we we like to forget, and forgetting is good for us. <laughs> forgetting is good for us because we cannot contain all our human experiences. And because of that, the human ingenuity was that we bring together ritual. And ritual allows us to remember, to remember the things that we otherwise forget. And most wisdom traditions have ritual, whichever direction one looks at. So uh, some rituals are a bit more defined, others are not. Gathering is a ritual. Our gathering right now is a ritual. So we are in ritual right now. And part of ritual is storytelling. The stuff we are already on about, so when we gather, we tell our stories, the stories of our origins, the stories of our existence, our existential realities. But something happens when we gather. You know, yeah. something happens. It, I might not understand it intellectually or yeah. cognitively. And something shifts when we gather. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love how you said remember. Because it, it made me think that ritual helps us experience in our bodies again, like incorporate into ourselves again, mm -hmm. the things that we put out of our minds or we, we, we put aside from ourselves. We get to mm -hmm. reintegrate it, remember it to our mm -hmm. bodies. And yeah. also do the thing that the forgetting does without hurting us so much, which is to also mm. take it beyond us. I think that that the forgetting, you know, that we've developed as a coping mechanism is our way of trying to take it out of ourselves without um, 
having access to ritual or tapping into the ritual in the everyday, like you said in some of these these gatherings or rituals, you know. Um, and I've been I've been reading I've talked about this book before I think, but the Healing Wisdom of Africa by Maladoma Patrice mm -hmm. Somme. Yeah. Yes, yes, and he's uh, his framing around ritual is so beautiful and so motivating um, that y'all are gonna probably be hearing about it for a long time. But um, <laughs> the piece that I wanted to like highlight in this moment is how he talks about how maybe there's some intellectual or logistical setup that always goes into every ritual, but at some point the ritual takes you. Yeah. And it goes somewhere that you are no longer in control of and that that is part of the healing. That's part of the magic of it. I was actually gonna, about, just about to bring up Elder Somay as, as well. <laughs> and, but, but I was thinking about, you know, those healing leg legacies that, you know, Black Indigenous musical practices and how that has situated our ways of knowing and being. And so even the forgetting, I think the, the forgetting is a socialization, you know, tool, right? Mm -hmm. We've been socialized to forget that we are more than ourselves, right? And, and we think about how co colonialism has has so strategically done so, you know, at as a point of violence to our our inner being, right? And so, so it's like to be able to think about the ways in which so many, you know, how did we survive? <laughs> like how how could anyone survive what we went through and are still here to tell the story? I think about it a lot now. I'm, I'm thinking about my health often these days. Like, how long will I be able to survive this knowing that, you know, a certain percentage of Black women, you know, academia kills them, right? So, like, it, it actually tears down our, 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 our immune system it tears down our you know it, it impacts our blood pressure it impacts you know i'm like i'm struggling right now with heart issues i'm trying to figure out what's going on with my heart i'm like my heart's not in my job that's one <laughs> but two like the heart you know where what happens when my heart and when i say my heart's not in my job what happens when my heart doesn't align with the values of the systems that i exist in right so it's like when when you know, when all those things impact us, like, how is it that we have survived? And the reality, the realities are, it has been the ways in which ritual and our musical indigenous healing practices have been, you know, embedded in, in our ways of being. And even though there are elements that we would hope to forget, it's that joy and that pleasure and that specialness, you know, that, that you, you talk about in Usamu that, that doesn't allow us to forget because in those moments we see each other in our full joy, we see each other in our full beings. And so thinking about, you know, how we're able to maintain ourselves um, collectively, our collective selves has been so much, you know, rooted in our ability to actively engage in this in this existence of place. Black Creative Healing is a platform dedicated to radical conversation, mindful collaboration, and holistic visioning centering Black communities. Conversations and arts-based collaborations are facilitated by Natasha Thomas and Adnike Webb in community partnership with the Black Music Therapy Network, Incorporated. 
We wish to extend our thanks to the Black Music Therapy Network for their input and support with the creation and promotion of these episodes, as well as all our supporters on Anchor and Patreon and followers on social media who help amplify our work and financially contribute to services for episode transcribing and other administrative needs. Special thanks to this episode's collaborators. This includes Marisol Norris and Samu Munga and all the attendees of our March 30th Healing Justice in Music Therapy discussion. You can find links to past collaborations as well as current episodes, contact details, and other information by visiting our website, www.blackcreativehealing.com.